This Age of Radio podcast is brought to you by The Bazaar. The Bazaar is the Age of Radio affiliate store, and right now, The Bazaar has a special offer on The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by the world's greatest professors. You'll always find something fascinating to learn about. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. If you go to ageofradio.org forward slash dark windows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a range of topics. I'm Kevin H. I'm Kevin C. And I'm a Seth. And this is the Dark, Dark Windows, Windows Podcast. Podcast. So just a disclaimer, we are going to talk about some things that people might not be super comfortable with. We're going to use some language, a language that people are not going to be super comfortable with. That's adult language. So, Expletives. So sit back. Relax. And enjoy the show. Or not. That's cool, too. We want to start out by saying a special thank you to our sponsor, Studio Headphones. Studio offers some of the best quality sound and best-built headphones on the market without the outrageous prices that other brands offer. They offer a variety of different styles, including over-the-ear, wired earbuds, and completely wireless Bluetooth buds. The two newest models are the Klar, which are over-the-ear noise-canceling headphones that offer 30 hours of playtime. Hold on. 30 hours continuous playtime without being recharged. And the Tolve, which are totally wireless Bluetooth earbuds, that offer seven hours of playtime in a case that holds four additional charges for the buds. So check out studio.com where you will find some of the best quality headphones and earbuds on the market. And if you enter Dark Windows 15 at checkout, they will take 15% off your entire order. What's going on, everybody? How are you all doing tonight? Howdy. Ha ha hi. And we're kind of switching things up right now because usually we get one of the Kevins that started an episode. Well, tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, I decided to take over because I had a friend of a show hit me up and was like, you know what? What about doing a special little episode? I'm like, who the hell you want me to do it on? He's like, Gigi Allen. What? And I know you don't know. I know you don't know much about him. Probably a little bit about the music. I do have a story about him that I can tell at the end, though. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. But before we get into that, we got to talk about some sponsors. Go ahead. They're oh, yours. We already I, did I, well, I figured that you guys would, you know, maybe take over the hobby holder for no, once. No, because Kevin and I pre-recorded ours oh you, guys, oh, you want me to take over the hobby holder? nope nope it's fine so you got I'm the stretching. hobby holder it's a, a holder for big big ap hands stop no, just oh, just stop right there God. shit you fucked that up so many times uh, <laughs> you know what that's fine i guess i'll just keep do, i'll do it i'll do it no problem like we say all the time like i say all the time if you or anybody you know that likes to paint miniatures and you're having difficulty getting all that fine detail and all that sweet, delicious nuances Look at of your those. fine detail. Sorry. Hell yeah. And you're like, you know what? I'm having a lot of difficulty. I'm using like a regular rattle can top. I'm using that little 
device from another company I shall not name name. Pill bottle tops. Yeah, no matter what it is, and it's not working out very well for you, head on over to GameMV.net, home of GameMV Creations, and you can see what kind of cool stuff they have. For instance, the Hobby Holder. The Hobby Holder is a two-on-one handle and base combo little unit that gives you 360 degrees of mobility, rotation, and ability to paint those fine details. If you're not looking for one of those, but you say you want a brush bashing to hold your paint brushes, or you want a paint puck to help you clean those brushes, head on over there. Find what you like, put in the checkout cart, put in the promo code BROADSTONE at checkout, and you'll save yourself 10% off your entire order. That's easy. So we're gonna talk today about the man, the myth, and in some degree, the underground legend known as G.G. Allen. The underground legend. Oh, because a little spoiler, he's an underground punk rocker. Oh. Yeah, buddy. So he was a singer, songwriter, and occasional record producer. Because you know punk rock, you gotta do everything on your own. When? When when was this? Uh, You're probably gonna say it, but when was this? I was gonna say spoiler alert, he's also actually underground right now. He is underground, but we'll get there. <laughs> anyway, um, he was pretty much during the uh, the seventies into the eighties and early nineties of music. So he was uh, like he was forefront a tr- of the beginning of punk. I wouldn't say forefront, oh. but definitely he was a part of it. Yeah, he, he was he was a mainstay or like rockabilly or something. No, it, it, it would have been like the American like when the American punk scene started kind of picking up. Yeah, rolling in the eighties, but we'll get to that. Don't yeah. worry about it. So before we get into his accomplishments and his crazy antics, let's go back into the way, way back machine to August 29th, 1956, the birth of G.G. Allen. His birth name was Jesus Christ Allen. <laughs> I know. I know. We'll, we'll get into that in a few seconds. Jesus. Jesus Christe. <laughs> Yeah, he, actually. He was, he was decidedly white, though. So. <laughs> oh, pale white. He, he, yeah, translucent, I would almost say. He's uh, pretty close to it. Pretty fucking white. Yeah. Huh. He was born at uh, Weeks Memorial Hospital in a small town of Lancaster, New Hampshire. Ooh, New Hampshire. Yeah. Yeah, he's right, you know, right around the corner from us. That's like, that's only probably, what, two and a half, three hours away from here. About that, yeah, right absolutely. Uh, he was the youngest of two sons born to Merle Colby Allen Sr. and Arletta Gunther. Now, I know you gave me the eyes. You guys gave me the eyes about the whole Jesus Christ thing. You ready for why he had that name? Uh, okay. Yep. Yep. Old Merle Sr. gave him the name because he told Arletta, the Lord Jesus Christ visited me, and I. he told me that the newborn son would be a great man in vain of the Messiah. Wow. So he had a vision. It's kind of ironic considering we're recording this the day before Easter Sunday. <laughs> Huh. He could come back in oh, a weird shitstorm. Well, I mean, without, spoiler alert! Well, really, <laughs> shit blizzard. <laughs> that that area was historically like a uh, focal point at one point for a revival movement. So yeah, and they're very, very religious. Very good point. Yes, exactly. So the Allen family actually lived in an even smaller town of Groverton, New Hampshire, which is a little over two hours away. Everything pretty much for them is about two hours away from where we currently are. In a small log cabin with no running water or electricity. So you think that's the worst of everything that they would have. However, oh, it's God, no, not. it can't be. <laughs> Good old Merle Sr. was a, an abusive recluse, or recluse, however you want to say it. I say recluse. And a massive Christian fanatic. Abu- as Abusive recluse sounds like a fucking spider that it is. Like, beats it his is. wife. It just comes at you. <laughs> This is what's actually really kind of sad. 
Merle Sr. was so abusive, he would even go as far as when he would threaten his family. He would go down to the basement and start digging graves. Are you fucking serious? 100% honesty. Holy shit, dude. Yeah. At one point in time, there was three graves in there. That's like some Fred West shit. That's like... Yeah, it was terrifying. Mm. Gigi once wrote, actually, in an essay titled, The First Ten Years That His Father Wanted to Kill His Family in a Murder-Suicide. That... Seems like a healthy fucking nurturing place to grow up. Pretty much. He also said that his father, quote, despised pleasure and had very little contact with others. And they wanted to live, or Merle felt that he wanted his family to live a very primitive existence and that Gigi, his mother, and his brother both felt that they were prisoners. Huh. Understandably. Yeah. Um. With all this going on, Gigi's mother decided that she was done. She wanted to get out. Uh. So she attempted to escape before she decided to officially file for divorce, where Merle thwarted the attempt by kidnapping the two boys. Jesus Christ. Are you sure that they weren't part of a cult? Uh, I didn't really look into the father. I kind of stopped here, and it was just one of those things. Because this is cult-esque. Yeah, dude, this is really dark stuff to happen to a young child. And also go to so far to dig graves in your basement. Shit, that's dark stuff to happen to an adult. Yeah, dude. So if you're wondering where Gigi came from, the actual name Gigi came from, it actually came from his oldest brother, Merle Jr. Merle Jr. had a really difficult time saying Jesus Christ or Jesus. Hmm. So he would stutter through GG, the J-E-J-E part. Uh, okay. And over time, it just stuck and... Gigi himself actually liked the name Gigi because it was a lot easier for him to just tell people, oh, my name is just Gigi. It became a nickname kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. In 1961, Arletta decided it was enough, it was enough, and she filed for divorce from Merle uh, due to his mental instability was getting much worse and his violence. Wow, man. Ooh. Yeah. That had been rough in 1961 just because that's, that's... Also with them being Catholics. mm and during in a small town where everybody knew everybody's business and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, you better move the fuck out. <laughs> actually, you want to know where they moved to? You're going to love this. Arletta then remarried to another man and moved to an even small, like a pretty small town of East Johnsbury, Vermont in 1966. No shit. He lived in Vermont for a little while. Ah. Nice. Yeah. So, not bad. Um, However... Before the move, in 1962, Arletta decided that Gigi needed a name change, that Jesus Christ Allen was just going to be completely getting beat up. He was going to be mocked, and he was going to be made fun of, and that there was going to be a lot of hardship for him. So to give him a better chance at life, she had his name legally changed to Kevin Michael Allen. That's, I mean, Kevin's kind of a fucking wimpy ass name, but it's still better than Jesus. I fucking yeah. like it. Shut up. <laughs> and I, I know a couple, I know a few people with the name Kevin, you know, it's, it's, so it works. And there's only three kinds of Kevins and he would have been, I think, category three. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Cause you got what? Kevin where he's a nice guy. Okay. Kevin where he's an asshole and Kevin where he's a fucking lunatic. So what ones are you guys? We're the nice guys. I'm like 1.5. <laughs> oh, psycho loser. <laughs> Get him! Yeah, that works. Anyway, so Just perfectly. So during Gigi's time in school, he was actually a very poor student to the point of he was placed in a lot of special education classes. 
He also had to repeat the third grade. And according to Merle, he also experienced a lot of bullying from his fellow students due to his views and his inability to conform. Hmm. At a young age, he was very independent, believed that he didn't need to be a part of everybody else. He wanted to be his own person, wanted to do his own thing. Because you know what? He was listening to a lot of the music of the time. For instance, one of his biggest inspirations of who he was was the New York Dolls. And if you're a fan of the New York Dolls, they did a lot of cross-dressing. I've never heard of them. Don't never. Really? I, I'm... You have a homework assignment. Gigi Allen, New York Dolls. There's also going to be some other bands I'm going to need you to listen to later on. They were they were like a fairly early on uh, punk kind of band. Yeah, yeah, they were pretty revolutionary in who they were, and they're actually one of the first bands that I listened to next to like the Ramones. Yeah, because they they were like punk back in the late '60s, kind of. Yeah, in that area. So, when asked about his childhood, Gigi said that it was quote very chaotic, full of chances and dangers. We sold drugs, we stole, we broke into houses, cars, we did whatever we wanted for the most part including all the bands we played with. So he's a typical baby boomer. Mm, yeah. Much. I mean, well, fringe baby boomer because yeah. some of them were straight edge, you know, like, you know, they did everything they're supposed to do, like their parents. And then there was the the hippie, you know, like go above and beyond, you know, do like drugs and everything yeah, else. Yeah, they just cut loose. And, and that's what he – sounds like what he was. Yeah. He went on to finish saying that people everywhere just hated us. He, uh, he also went on to talk about, too, he was actually really happy to have the experience uh, and the upbringing he had with his father, with his family moving and everything, because he believed that it gave him a warrior soul at such an early age that it gave him a different view on life, where if everything was perfect, he's like, I would not be who I am. Exactly. I would not have the experience. I would just be a plain sheep. In the mass of he, sheep. He'd have been a fucking accountant, you know. Yeah, or he would have been part of the church or something like that. Yeah. So, with all that being his past, now we're going to get into his music. Of the time, and how Gigi Allen became this insatiable lore machine of the underground punk scene. Shit. Yeah, dude. Lore machine. Ooh, that's good, dude. Lore machine. I like that. Verbal trademark. Right. Broadstone. Right now. Uh, like many of the kids in the 1960s, one of his main influences were a lot of the British invasion bands. Beatles, Rolling Stones, the Dave Clark Five, which I didn't even know existed, so I had to listen to them like, oh, that's pretty good. Hmm. It wasn't until like the 1970s that he kind of bl like blossomed as a musician and a music fan with like the, the finding of Alice Cooper and seeing how Alice Cooper presented himself on stage, how he sang his music, what he wrote about. And so he was like, you know what? I want to play in a band. So the earliest recorded musical attempts were he was a drummer because he didn't feel like he was, was like, I'm not comfortable singing. I can't play guitar, but damn, I can play the drums. Mm. So in his mid teens, along with his older brother, Merle, they formed a band called Little Sisters Date, which lasted a little over a year. But they mainly played a lot of cover songs from like Aerosmith, Kiss. Beatles, Alice Cooper, and stuff like that. So then Gigi and Merle decided that they were sick of playing cover songs and they were sick of playing a lot of the pop music. And then they heard the band The Ramones and The Stooges. Oh, shit. Which, if anybody knows punk music, these are the, the bands. These two bands, along with some others, but mainly The Ramones is what punk music is about. Nonconformity, being your own person, just fuck off. I'm doing my own thing and having fun and I'm going to party and do what I want. 
Then uh, in 1975, Gigi graduated from Concord High School in Concord, Vermont. Now, do you know where Concord, Vermont is? Have you even heard of it? I know you've heard of Concord, New Hampshire. Uh, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. <laughs> do you realize how long it took me to look this up? Even MapQuest doesn't know where this fucking town is. Up north somewhere? <laughs> You're actually right. Yep. It is uh, the northeast corner of Vermont, which borders New Hampshire. So uh, up by Newport? Not that far. Um, it's about two hours. So if you go north, go slightly bit east. So, so east we're in the of island pond then. Sure. All I know is it's about the point where Vermont does its weird hook down and New Hampshire does its little, oh, we're, we're spooning. We're going to spoon right now. So that was like Northeast Kingdom kind of territory with like yeah. all yeah. the hippie communes and shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, because again, it's another small town and it's all they could find. It's all they could be because they had very little money and. It's like typical of the time. Yeah, it's kind of like a, a Barnett where there's like fucking 100 people that live there. Like one of those little like rinky dink ass towns. Yeah. yeah. Shortly after graduating high school, Gigi and his older brother decided they wanted to form another band called Malpractice. This one they formed with some friends uh, from the local town and also one of Gigi's uh, buddies from high school. Gigi again played the drums until 1977 when the bands finally separated. Then he became... Again, a drummer for another uh, local punk band called Strip Search, which released one seven-inch single containing the song Galileo and Jesus Over New York. <laughs> okay songs. Not bad, but they, sounds, again. Sound like pretty good songs. I mean, that's some good titles, you know, Galileo and Jesus Over that's That's, that's the great thing with, like, punk is they've got, like, some of the names of their songs are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, because like, a lot of times you come up with a song it. and be like, okay, uh, Keyboard Massacre, because I'm busting up a keyboard. Yeah. Verbal trademark, Bronstone. From 1977, from when the, his band broke up to 1984, Gigi decided that, you know what? I'm done playing the drums. I want to be a frontman. I want to sing. I have things I want to say. I want to just, I want to be in the front of the crowd. I'm sick of just playing drums. Mm. So he joined another band called the Jabbers, and he would play the drums for them when he wasn't singing because in a band that's small, everybody's got to know how to play everything. Yeah. During this time of his ever-growing underground popularity, Gigi married a woman named Sandra Faro uh, on October 6th, 1978. However, they would be divorced in 1985. He got... I never would have... Like, okay. It From was, like what you see, like you see this guy, you go, you never expect somebody like that to be married? It's if kinda, you look at him when he was younger, I, oh, I he saw, had the crazy hair and the crazy look, but he actually was somewhat decent. It wasn't until later on of his exploits where Gigi became... Gigi, that I, we all know him. I did see a picture of him where he had like a fucking bob. <laughs> yeah, he's got like like the long bangs and the hair. Like he he looked weird with hair. You know that you see him bald and you go, okay, that's what makes sense because hmm. your hair is fucking strange. Yeah, dude, now, it's just dark brown style hair. No, at this time is is he in like New York? He's traveling around New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, Probably Massachusetts. Math, yeah. He's everywhere. He's going wherever he can get a job or get a gig. And okay, if he I, knows there's a band, then he's like, all right, cool. I'm going there. Because I knew like during close. Yeah, this time around this time, actually. So Fans probably, had to travel. He probably played a lot. If, if he could have got a gig in New York City, he probably played there because like some punk bands were kind of like they had actual you know, clubs. Yeah. yeah. That were basically just yeah, they would play bands. in bars. They play in open air venues. They play wherever they could get like. Any kind of notoriety, not even notoriety, any kind of Audience. visual, like uh, anybody knowing who they are. And with him, he wanted to be everywhere. 
he wanted to constantly be touring. Yeah, but so, more to your point, like back in the 70s and 80s, New York City was the place to fucking be if you were in a That's home. where the Ramones were. Yeah, but exactly. Ramones pretty much had that, you know, like, by the nutsack New yep. York. Side note with that, did you know that that's where uh, rap actually started with guys going and, uh, and uh, doing um, just turn, doing turntables and stuff in uh, punk clubs? Hmm. And actually, like, rapping a little bit. And uh, uh, what's her name? Um, oh, gosh, I can't think of her name right now. But she was, like, kind of a punk-esque singer. Joan she, Jett? Jo- uh, no. Um, no. Maybe I might be wrong. Anyway, doesn't matter. Uh, she actually went to one of these clubs. She was at one of the clubs, and she saw a guy, and then she wrote a, a song about him, a little bit of a song about him. And... Uh, so I was like, I never knew that punk and rap actually. Yeah, there's a lot of interlacing. Of, Same thing yeah. with like hard rock and rap. It's just mm-hmm. there's only there's only certain genres that there's very little to no overlap, which is kind of interesting because music's music. There should always be overlap because everyone takes inspiration from the same type of things. What, so. what, one of my favorite ones that I, I discovered in the last few years is a uh, band called Gangsta Grass, where it's a you have a, a rapper. But the entire rest of the band is a bluegrass band, and it is fucking incredible. It's Gangster so grass cool. Makes sense. It's so cool to listen to because it's it's got like that really like country twangy bluegrass thing, and then you've got a rapper, and it makes so much fucking sense. It's so good. Huh? Yeah, I'm gonna have to listen to them now. Yeah, it's yeah. You won't regret it. So he's off traveling New England. Yep. Being- uh, recently divorced in 1985 from his his wife. So then in the mid-1980s, it's hard to dial down the exact year, Gigi became involved with a teenage girl from Garland, Texas named Tracy Denall. Reason why she's important is because the two actually had a daughter, Nico and Denall, born March 13th, 1986. Sadly, as Nico got older, she actually chose to distance herself more and more from her family and had little to no contact with Gigi. Like she didn't want anything to do with him. He was just a man that was there. We'll get into a why in a little bit because of antics. However, Tracy and Gigi never got married. So I think that was partially the other reason why is it was a little fling. Gigi was kept going, doing his own thing. She was stuck with her mom. So a little bit of bitterness there. Doesn't really know her dad. Doesn't, you know. Yeah, no. So with the 1980s, Gigi had his own debut album, Always Was, Always Shall Be, from the Orange Records. And it was reissued... For the first time on CD in 1995, with all of his success, tensions with the Jabbers started to grow more and more due to Gigi becoming uncontrollable, uncompromising, and just plain vicious towards his bandmates, towards the manager, towards the record company. He was turning into, you know, the prima donna band member. He was turning into his father. Not to that degree. He just had a certain vision, certain thing, and if it wasn't that way... He was fucking pissed. Mm. He wanted it his way or nothing. Right? Exactly. His high, his Even though it wasn't way. his band, he was just a part of the band where the original owners are like, we can't handle this. We can't handle him. We can't do this. We finally are becoming something, and this is how it's happening. They decided, you know what? After that, we're done. So after all this going on and the, the, his album, they broke up. And one of the, one of the few things I do know about him is I know he had a fucking mean streak in him too. Oh, he was angry. Off. He there was it was zero to pissed off in like less than a blink of an eye. Yeah. If 
And you got like violent, like aggressive. So you take how we are. We bicker a lot. We have, we get on each other's nerves. We get on each other's skin, whatever. And then after a few minutes, we joke about it. Gigi was, there was no joking about it. If you and I are rubbing each other wrong, he will come up to you and be in your face, backing you into the corner, screaming, yelling, pushing you, shoving you, doing whatever he wanted because he had no fear mm. due to the fact of getting beat up in school, having his father give him death threats, having, you know, being this nonconformist and taking punk rock's lifestyle to the degree of it is now a way of life. It's not just a gimmick. It is this way or nothing. If you're not like me, you're against me. Which, sadly, that's a lot of punk rock in yep. certain ways. And even some music in general. As I said before, with everything going on and the band breaking up that he was starting to see success, Gigi didn't slow down. He was like, I'm done. I'm going to keep going. So he would still continue to front many acts during the mid-1980s into the 90s. Some of these would be the Cedar City Sluts, Scumfucks. <laughs> oh, sorry. I should have let that one breathe, huh? Okay. Yeah, so we got the Cedar City Sluts, which is C- just fun to say. Yep. Scum fucks in 1982, and then 1985, the Texas Nazis. <laughs> Dude, punk rock bands, man, punk. they're they're insane. No, oh, punk rock's fucking awesome. Yeah, scum and, fuck Texas Nazis. Yeah. Oh my god, you got to like amalgamate the groups. However, oh. I don't think it would work. Scum fucking Texas Nazis. Yeah, I think that'd work great. I was talking about the bands. Oh no, no, like the names though. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> So with all of his traveling and all this going on, he was still seen only as an underground hardcore scene, never the main East Coast. So even though he went around the whole East Coast, he was a scene as still an underground guy. Like, congratulations, you can play in these venues and track like 20 people. We'll play these band, these venues, and we'll bring in like hundreds of people. Yeah, the, the Ramones are selling out fucking... Huge places, and he's getting paid with beer tickets at a fucking bar somewhere. Essentially, actually, yeah. There was one time I think he got paid in food, and that was it. And he was like, well, I want money. Like, this is all we're going to give you. Mm-hmm. You didn't bring anybody. They didn't come here to see you. You're just an opening act. Take a trash bag of popcorn and fuck off. Yeah. However, with all that going on, he still had a huge cult following. They knew that if they saw a band with Gigi's face on it or a poster or heard his voice, they were going to go. Because there are certain people, like, you know, you have an artist that you like to follow. I know I definitely do. Where if I know where they're going to be, like, same thing with movie, I'm definitely going to watch it just yep. for the fun of it. Or be there. However, nah, sometimes it doesn't always work that way. Gigi would gain a much wider attention with a cassette-only release of Hated in the Nation 1985 due to tracks of the Jabbers audio catalog with the Scumfucks and the... Cedar Street Sluts. It's hard to say that one when not fuck it up. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. You have to say it fast, I think. Yeah. So his, he would get a much wider attention with this album by taking the songs that he wrote, he sang, that he did a main promotion, like main promotion of them or writing of them. And then also there was a lot of in-studio and in-concert recordings. So this was actually was more of this is like, here's Gigi as he is playing with these bands. Not just the bands, but here's how to get these songs I was a part of. Ah, okay. This is the record producer part of them. Like, he would take a song, if I'm singing this song and this song, well, these are mine now. Like, I'm putting them on my my album. I don't care. This is almost like John Fogarty having to sue CCR and face himself in court to get the rights to the songs that he wrote. Similar. Yeah. I was like, yeah, kind of. Hmm. So, you ready? highlight reel. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, that's a good way to put it, actually, yeah. 
So you ready to get into some of uh, his antics? Actually, before we get into that, why don't we take a real quick break to uh, throw some uh, ad stuff in? Yeah, that's a good. This is a good time. The Dark Windows Podcast is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. The Great Courses Plus is a subscription video on-demand service with thousands of in-depth videos taught by some of the world's greatest professors. You'll always have something fascinating to learn about on there. With categories ranging from history to travel and everything in between, there's something for everyone. The courses I'm personally looking forward to the most are the 36-part series on the Vikings and a 24-part series called The Agency, A History of the CIA. If you go over to ageofradio.org forward slash darkwindows, there's an offer to get The Great Courses Plus free for 14 days. Stay ahead in life. Start your access today with 11,000 plus video and audio lectures on a variety of topics. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Hope you guys had fun listening to those adverts. Oh, yeah. I did. With that being said, are you guys ready to jump into, shall I say, the deep end of uh, how Gigi's yeah. reputation kind of got a little crazy over his antics? No. Off, the, off the diving board? No, because I, I know what's on the other side of the uh, the dividing rope in that pool. So we're, are, are we going to go to uh, more of Ozzy's and like with the bat, sort of, where kinda. he took that and ran? Yeah, just... Not not so much Alice Cooper's dark side where he accidentally killed a chicken at a concert, I don't think. Uh, well, we'll get to it. Let's just <laughs> okay. let's leave it at that. Oh. For instance, one performance while in Manchester, New Hampshire. Oh, Manchester! Manchester, New Hampshire. Free plug. I'm not check here. out Aldernest Gaming over there if you're in Manchester, New Hampshire. He's got all kinds of mini games, and Gordon is cool as fuck. Continue. <laughs> Sadly, I don't think he listens to this. Probably not. Probably but not. Still. Anyway. While touring with Kevin H.'s new favorite band, the Cedar City Sluts, <laughs> Mr. Mr. Allen learned that, you know what? I'm going to go all out. I'm going to have fun. And thus picked up the nickname, the Madman of Manchester, due to what some crazy he... antics. Well, it was during this time, it was known that Gigi had a weird obsession with a certain substance. Of the era that's also still now heroin oh yeah not nose candy he was all about that he was all about the heroin and all about the alcohol and not only just that he would also abuse any other drug he get his hands on because fuck it why not because this is what the 80s right still still in the 80s okay prime 80s he's in the prime of gg going gg and uh for instance while performing on stage in 1985 while at Peoria, Illinois, a fellow band member, Bloody Mess is his name. I wonder what his gimmick is. <laughs> Nothing. He just played. <laughs> Said, quote, I was with him when he bought X-Lax. Unfortunately, he ate hours before the show oh, and he no. constantly had to hold it in. He would have shit before he went on stage. <laughs> oh, no. After he shit on stage. Complete chaos broke out in the hall. All of the old men in charge of the hall went fucking nuts. Hundreds of confused punk kids flipping out, running to the door because the smell was incredible. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's just a little taste of... Yeah, he just straight up... He shit. ate a bunch of x and was like, he couldn't hold anymore and went on. He, he straight up shit himself on, on stage, yeah. Now, 
you're wondering why. Uh, yeah. I can see on your face why. What the fuck? Just because. Because why not? Just because. <laughs> During this time, Gigi was full Gigi and didn't care. He was starting to garner more of that idealism of, I don't fucking care. People are here to see me. I'm going to do whatever I want. So with the pooping on stage, that became a regular, you know, thing on stage. He would do it all the time. Also, he enjoyed eating it. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, I, just threw I mean, a little bit. I guess waste not want not, right? Pretty much. <laughs> oh. uh, self-mutilation. Because the G.G. Allens, they always use all of the body fluids. fluids. Yeah. <laughs> they don't let any of it go to waste. Oh. You, you did hear that he, like he would self-mutilate, so cut himself and all that stuff. That's fine, whatever. I don't care. Now you can hold on. Cut yourself oh, all you want. Hold on. Here's now. But no, wait, but no, wait. No, but wait. There's more. No. He would also take said dookie and then rub it all over himself. What a fucking moron! <laughs> Do you not know you could get staff from that? You shit? You could get sepsis from sepsis, that and die. Staff, whatever. You know all that. Yeah. <laughs> You, that's how you get fucking pink eye. You get poopy in your eyes. Pretty much. And then, <laughs> yeah, dude. It, it was pretty messed up. And also, you can find a lot of this stuff online. I've seen the pictures. It's fucking No, you can watch videos. Guy. He also, during this time, while being smeared in dookie and bleeding. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. That is the subtitle for this episode. Is going to be Gigi Allen smeared in dookie. He would also... Ooh. At this time, being covered in all this mess, he would attack fans and his bandmates, and it would also get him arrested a couple times. <laughs> Only a couple. Only a couple? Yep. Well, fuck. He's not doing his job. <laughs> yeah, so with all of this antics going on and punk rock and all stuff, we're going to take a little step away from that because I don't want to go too far into that because it's easy to focus on the antics, but I wanted to also focus on, like I did before, about what inspired him musically, like... What made him write the way he wrote? Mm. What made him carry himself a certain way? So he also was a huge fan and idolized country music legend Hank Williams. Fuck yeah. Fucking right. Saw him as a kindred spirit due to the fact of they were both relative loners, outsiders, habitual users of drugs and alcohol. I was going to say they're both drug addicts, yeah. Yeah. Live with few, if any, possessions. Maybe Junior. No, Senior was a fucking uh, pillhead. Hank Williams Senior was a big time drug addict. Now, did Hank Williams also do a bunch of traveling? Because that was oh, yeah. another thing too. Is that he based his madman lifestyle on traveling, going nonstop, off of his lifestyle of constantly going. I don't need anything except for the clothes on my back and drugs. I could see him partying. being a Johnny Cash fan too. I didn't really say. He said that he was also a uh, a big fan of David Allen Coe, too. Oh, no shit. Actually, speaking of Hank Williams, uh, Hank Williams III actually has a song, I cannot remember the name of it right off the top of my head, that is, he, he wrote it based on Gigi Allen. Yeah, you want to know it? Uh, We're going to get to it. Yeah, and I can't, I, I I'm gonna love get the to fucking it. song and I cannot remember the name of it. With all that being said of who he was inspired by and with uh, Hank Williams and also David Allen Coe. With his idolization of Hank Williams Sr., Gigi decided that he wanted to do his own acoustic album known as Troubled Troubadour, which was heavily influenced by Williams himself and also David Allen Coe. He recorded his own rewrites of Hank Williams Jr.'s 
Family Tradition, and Co.'s Long-Haired Redneck, calling his version Scumfuck Tradition, great name, and Outlaw Scumfuck. And both of those original songs are fucking awesome, by the way. Are they? Oh, I've yeah. never, I haven't actually listened to them. You, I'm, I'm sure you've heard, you've heard Family Tradition before. Probably, probably would listen and hanging out with you guys. The last just fucked up. We made a joke about it, you know, before, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, hey, look, scumfuck tradition." I'm like, "Oh, fuck." Yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> what happens when we're, you know, we're not paying attention. I guess I'm me, whatever. With that country album, he also decided he was going to release another one known as Carnival of Excess. That sounds like a good title. I like that. Yeah, dude. Now we're gonna go back to gg being punk rock gg getting away from the country stuff sometime later from releasing his country albums he would go on to collaborate with another musician known as bulge (laughs) what bulge Hmm. before that he was known as just plain psycho (laughs) punk rock baby and the album was freaks faggots drunks and junkies yeah then he would also collaborate with AIDS Brigade on their 7-inch EP, Expose Yourself, Kids. And the Holy Men's You Give Love a Bad Name. <laughs> the Holy Men's huh. Give Love a Bad Name. I know. I, want, I think there's another band that covered that, too. Hmm. Bunch of long-haired guys from New Jersey. I think... I have no idea what you're talking about. However, John Bon Jovi. Who? John Beefaroni. Oh, okay. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha. And Joey Stromboli, the guitar player for him. Ah. Yeah. Now, one of the things I found out that I didn't realize he actually did, uh, and I've been trying to find a, some video on it, but it's actually really hard to find. He started doing spoken word pieces. So he'd go up there, and instead of singing whatever, he'd just talk. And it was kind of like a story and telling all these different experiences. Henry Rollins does them all the time. Now it seems like a lot of punk rockers and people of certain professions like pro wrestling, whatever, go into spoken word. So GG out. That would have been fucking interesting to see. Now here's the, yeah, because it it makes you wonder. It's like, what would he talk about? Would he be GG Allen, the character? Would he be GG Allen, the regular guy talking about his experiences? Hmm. It's hard. Like I yeah. can barely find them. So if we have anybody that can find this, I would love to. Fuck it. Be able if you can find it. it, send links to us on Facebook Is or. It... it sounds like he's such a talented guy that it, you know he's really is talented because he's it... kind of a weird savant. And when when you listen to his music, when you listen to him sing, he's got a decent voice. It, it's kind of like Corey Taylor from Slipknot, where you listen to him and you go, okay. But then if you were to do something different, you'd go, fuck, he's got a good voice. Yeah, he kind of you know that was the hard part about this was like. I listened to his music while I was writing this out. Like, I listened to his music anyway, but when I was doing this, I was like, I need to hear his voice while I'm uh-huh. typing this out. And it was kind of, in a weird way, it's not what you expect, because certain times it can be rough, it can be raw, it can be, can't carry a tune if it was in a bag. He's got really good, uh, like, vocal control where he can go completely different fucking ends of the spectrum with stuff. Yeah. Like, he, he could probably do something, like, really soft and almost ballady, and then go... To fucking like black metal after that, just screaming fucking. Pretty much, yeah. actually, yeah. Huh. Interesting. That's cool, dude. He's a really interesting fucking guy. I mean, that's all I can say about it. It's ridiculous what he does. So, you guys want to know who one of his closest friends was? And I do use the term "was." Dead. You guys, you guys ever hear of a man named John Wayne Gacy? 
Uh, ha! No way. I think Absolutely. So, yeah. Gigi started developing a huge fascination with serial killers, like massive, to the point of he would write and visit John Wayne Gacy numerous times. Like anytime he wasn't touring, he had time off, he would go hang out with Gacy. So, dude, if he, if he had not, I did not, dude, those, those don't. were not my bodies. I know what you're going to say. Don't say it. I'm, I'm almost thinking like he could have been a fucking true crime podcaster. If this if, if this technology had existed back then, he could have been like he would have been insane about yeah. it too. He would have covered everything. God damn. So you're probably thinking like, okay, so he had a friendship with Gacy, whatever. You wanna know how strong his friendship with Gacy was? Did he get an original when yes. he was in prison? Oh fuck. He got an original that was also the cover of his album and also the film Hated, Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. So if That's you look up awesome. this film was actually uh Gacy's artwork. Fuck. Yeah. Uh that's wow. like the Yeah. That's it like makes the, you uh, think, doesn't it? Damn. Dude, that, that's gotta be the second weirdest album cover after Mayhem. Yeah. Where, where they We're gonna talk about black metal at some point in time, we have to. The band Mayhem were a Norwegian black metal band. One of their albums, the cover of it is a picture of the lead singer after he'd blown the top of his head off with a 20-gauge shotgun. Yeah, his name was Dead. Yes, and he was, actually. Yeah, he was somebody <laughs> that kind of started believing in his own, uh, his own gimmick, I want to say. Sorry he, for the mess. He, th- that was exactly what his fucking suicide note read, and it had a smiley face at the end of it. I yeah. know. And it's why, actually in the album cover. It. You can actually see it. But, dude, he used to carry a dead crow around in a bag, and he would just fucking inhale it before shows. Weird, weird fucking Yeah, he'd dude. also bury his clothes so they'd yeah. be all rotten and putrid. Yeah, weird fucking dude. Oh. I know. <laughs> and we're not done yet. It's about like that fucking band that I listened to going... I'm going. What the fuck are you saying? That's, that's. However, he can sing. Exactly. Or he could have. He could sing. Oh so God. if you think rubbing poop on himself and <laughs> self mutilating and beating up fans was the deep end, now we're going even deeper. Bullshit. To no the way. point of his performances would become even more extreme. He would still do all of these crazy antics. However, he started taking them out on the venue itself, which he never did before, and also the band's own equipment. So smashing and breaking things and just going completely fucking AWOL. Like, just going nuts. being a typical metal guy, like, fucking just smashing. Just a musician in general, yeah, because even Jim Morrison did this. Jim Morrison would break his shit all the time. Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Was Smash a guitar or whatever. Fucking them on fire and shit. Yeah, yeah. And it makes sense because some of these bands were his influences and got to a certain point. All right, time to cut loose. And I don't care. We got to. He's seeing that there's a trend going on that the antics are giving him more popularity, more notoriety. So once you're going and you get to a certain point and you think you're plateauing, all right, time to step it up. Time to keep going. Time to keep going. More, more, more. I've touched the glass ceiling. Now I'm putting my fucking head through it. But how much further could you go beyond <laughs> rubbing shit in your open wounds? So I didn't actually put this in here, but there's reports of him eating a certain women's sanitary product that was apparently used. So, hmm. hand tap, hand tap. It's okay. 
Okay. Yeah. A lot of times when he was started attacking the venue and the equipment, the actual uh, owners of the venue would call the cops or just shut it down. Understandably, I mean, he's smashing their shit up and yeah. just causing fucking like thousands of dollars worth of damage and you can't have that. I mean, I mean, the only thing I ever heard, I only heard one thing this or saw one thing this guy did, but I'm pretty sure you're going to cover it. So I don't oh, wanna, yeah. and I'm not going to step on your toes. <laughs> no, that's but, okay, you know, baby. I only saw one thing. When we get there, expand on it. Because I'm pretty sure we got we got a couple more pages to go before we get there. Cause <laughs> well, uh, no, no, no. This antic thing. That's the only thing I saw. That's I'm using, yeah, the words antic just because it's, a, it's like, it just feels like it's a kid going nuts. Because it was part of his gimmick, I guess, or yeah, whatever. Yeah, pretty much. It was, it was like life imitating art in a sense. Like he started off doing one thing, getting the publicity, getting the notoriety, and then is like, well, this is doing this. Now I'm going to be this. I'm going to be this 24-7. So art imitating life imitating art essentially yeah it's a weird paradox yeah and somewhere in the middle of that paradox is fucking gg <laughs> pretty much yeah just standing like come at me bro right oh fuck however him. he wouldn't just stand there and say come at me bro he would also start attacking the fans if fans were near him he would go after them beating them up hitting them throwing things at them and if he was on a stage he would jump down go after him again well at least he kept his clothes on uh, no. <laughs> Actually, no. Just when you think it can't get any worse, now there's a naked lunatic covered in shit running after you. Exactly. He, well, that was... that. Okay, I didn't... He want... would now, at this time, start performing and strip bare-ass naked, <laughs> covered in dookie and blood, and going nuts on stage. He's like a giant toddler. You can't keep his fucking clothes on <laughs> God damn it, Gigi! Put your clothes... Son of a bitch, get over here. Well, a lot of times the club promoter or venue owner would see this and call the cops on him. Because it's one thing, okay, if he was performing, like he would usually perform in a jock strap. Okay, that's no big deal. Or like tight, tight, like biker shorts. Okay, we can let that go. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, it comes time for dookie time. <laughs> Boop! Pants down and let her rip. And now he's naked and he's doing all this stuff. Yeah, because you don't want to shit in your pants. That's just gross. Even though he would do it. <laughs> no, you want to shit out in the open where everybody can enjoy it. Yes, I will say that is the part that I did actually see. I saw like a little <laughs> snidbit like where... <laughs> One of those he, like, what is this? Oh my God, put it down. I'm done. His shit was, uh, was floating. And I was like... In more ways than one. I was like, oh, wow. And everybody's like just not really paying attention yeah, so much to like, him. They're just fucking like just jamming to the music, but not really so much paying attention to his junk. Just yeah, fucking flying. Yeah, it's one of those ones you literally put your own hand as a sensor bar and like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Oh my god. Somebody in the crowd like, I love this song. He's got his dick out, but this is a really good song. Yeah. Oh my god. There's a mic coming at me, and now he's chasing me, covered in dookie. That's not a mic. Oh. Ah! <laughs> oh god. Well, there was one time. It, it's rumored that he did J.O. No way. Yeah, he was up there just going cranking on it. But anyway, let's not talk I about mean, that. Come on. Would it shock you if no. this guy jerked off on a group of people No. at this point in time? Oh, man. If it was a body of fluid, he would get it out of them in one way, shape, or form. Like, I wouldn't I wa- surprise me if he actually fucking puked on him, too. Um, <laughs> if it was a bodily fluid and he could get it out of them, and, and yeah. Let's just say that the only time Gigi wasn't performing was when he was in jail or sleeping or in the hospital due to broken bones, 
blood poisoning, heroin overdoses, or just some sort of trauma that would happen. Hmm. So jail, prison, you know, okay, whatever. He'd still figure out a way. Hospital. Did did he actually ever like, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to cover this or not, but I mean, just just curiosity. Did you ever, did he ever like actually end up in the hospital from getting his ass beat or something from, you know, not, not so much. So I didn't really cover it, but he actually did go to the hospital a few times because he would swing up on somebody and then he would get his ass kicked. So, and obviously being naked, people go after him and beat him up. And that's what punk rock was. It was the hardcore scene was who the fuck cares? If you were leaving bloodied and torn up and beat up, those were badges of honor. Now, was it some of it because he got into the mosh pit or was it just because of the, it's hit and miss. It's hit and miss. Some of them he would like, these weren't high level like uh venue. So you're on a stage. A lot of times, Mm. You're standing on the same level floor as the fans. Yeah. So they can come up and fuck with you. And it was certain times fans would come up and fuck with them or any musician that was performing or whatever. And it was an unwritten rule that if you come near me, I'm fucking dropping you. Now, to take it to the next level, with Gigi doing the poop thing and doing the, the peeing and the whateverness and throwing blood and all this other stuff at people. People get pissed. Like, there's some people like, I came here to listen to music, not be accosted, not be covered in someone else's mess. And so they would snap. There were other people that would be like, oh, my God, this is fucking amazing. I love this. This is punk rock at its yeah, finest. Yeah. Like, nonconformist. Like, this is what we are. So it was – there were people that did attack him when he'd do it. But there's also some people that would just run and go. And – he became known as the guy like if he was performing cops were on like already going to be ready to be on speed dial and the promoters were normally there was like okay i can leave it alone whatever just ignore it and i'll deal with it later he was being watched whenever he was on stage when he was off stage he was being watched because he had no problem instigating or just walking into a room and smashing everything and then be like oh this is great walk out and go party guess not everybody can be like rolling stones and have a have a biker gang, you know, sit in front of the stage. Oh, and, you know. yeah. allegedly. I think we could. I think we could cover Altamont on here. That's that's true crime. Yeah. So with soon after the the attraction of Gigi's crazy wild antics were kind of hitting a plateau, he uh. decided he was going to step it up and start making threats of suicide. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like okay, on stage. Yeah. Well, oh God, I I don't even want it. Like I, I'm just gonna put this out there right now. If you or anybody you know that is having like suicidal thoughts or are in a dark place, please call somebody and seek help. Seek help because honestly, the way he went about this was as a gimmick, as a joke. And for me, this is not a joke. And this is the part where actually I got mad and I didn't like. I knew that there was part of it, but to go into a little bit deeper on this, if you're in a dark place, please just reach out to somebody because he wrote in 1989 uh, his maximum rock and roll stating that he would die by suicide on Halloween on stage. However, when they got closer, he would be in jail when that day would come and he would make these threats every year. 
on Halloween, I'm going to be, I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to make sure to commit suicide on Halloween. And it was getting to the point that when people would ask him, why aren't you going through with this? Why aren't you doing this? He would laugh it off and go, with Gigi, you don't get what you expect. You get what you deserve. So in a sense, making light of, I can make, I'm going to commit suicide right now. I don't care. I'll make suicide. I'll, I'll do suicide. Like as if it's a fucking joke. Yeah. As if it's like a tangible thing, like our cell phones or whatever that he was like, I can do whatever I want because you're going to keep coming. You're going to want to see it. You're going to want to see me commit suicide. Imagine me. I'll be a martyr for, for my views and my idol, my ideals and everything. That, just, that pisses me off. He, he, yeah. Yeah, he was, he was a sick fuck. I mean, yeah, because I knew a kid that actually did commit suicide. Yeah. I, I think we probably all do. You know, honestly. yeah, it's. It was one of those things I didn't, I knew that there were, like it was on Halloween, the 1989 and on Halloween, I knew of that. However, I didn't know that he was making those threats every year until his passing. So to hear that is kind of like, he was seeing it as a joke. He's like, oh, people are going to come see me. And when it does happen, I'm going to do it. And then when he would be on stage and it's like the day before Halloween, all of a sudden magically he's being arrested. Or, you know, he'd be in prison or jail or he'd be in the hospital. There was always an excuse of why he wasn't going to do it. And then as soon as he get out, oh, well, see, it was the man that did it. I don't know if this was staged or set up, but it was just the fact of you don't make these kind of things. You don't no. say this kind of stuff because I know during this era, there's probably not much information. But just nowadays, it's it's just it's too much of a touchy subject for me to want to talk about. Yeah. However... 1989 would also be when Gigi was arrested and in prison for a while. It was not due to the fact of what he did while he's performing. He was charged with assault, intent to do bodily harm, less than murder, which made me pause a little bit because I was like, less than murder? Like, what does that mean? It's because he was doing all this bodily harm, but not killing or not going to kill this person. Uh. It was a female acquaintance in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And she was saying that he did stuff. He was saying that she did stuff. And as part of the court proceedings, he had to be evaluated. And they wanted to make sure that due to his persona, that there wasn't something off mentally with him. They had to make sure he was uh, fit to stand trial. Exactly. Much. Yeah, because they looked at his schooling. He was in special like education classes. He's doing all these crazy things. His arrest record shows a wide variety, like a laundry list, a regular buffet of in intricacies or whatever. Smorgasbord of Pretty much. weirdness. And the evaluator said that he was, had average intelligence. He was pretty courteous. He was cooperative and, you know, pretty candid about everything. He was, like, open. And the the evaluator also noted that, G, that Gigi appeared to have a little bit of psychotic tendencies but he was ultimately comfortable with his lifestyle that even though it was unorthodox he was pretty comfortable with who he was and that yeah it's he is this person like it's not a gimmick it's not a, a whatever but he does have a high dependency on drugs and alcohol he has a little bit of a mixed personality disorder which is like seriously just a little bit <laughs> yeah, but just, okay just a schizophrenic you know yeah he uh, was very narcissistic, which if anybody's ever seen an interview with Gigi, he is very narcissistic. He can do no wrong. Everybody loves him. And 
he was also borderline masochistic. Mm. Which, again, makes sense for all the things that he was doing and a part of. That it was like, yeah, okay, they can kind of see that. So Gigi would initially deny these charges, saying that the woman was a willing participant in their sexual activities. He did admit to cutting, burning, and drinking her blood, but also said she did the same thing. That this was just part of it. I almost wonder if he would have fallen into that uh, being part of the whole like satanic panic thing of the 80s. Like, I think, yeah, maybe. Like, depending on who the judge was and who the prosecutor was, they may have been able to push that. This is the kind of thing where parents back then would have been like, oh, he's he's a fucking devil worshiper. Look at him. He looks like Anton LaVey. He kind of did. Yeah. But, you know, it was also the crazy weird shit, like, you know, that bands like fucking Twisted Sister got shit pinned on them. And, I mean, D. Snyder was a cross-dresser in football pads, and Gigi Allen is smearing himself and shit and bleeding all over the place. He would also cross-dress, too. Yeah, but, I mean... He would walk around in a leather coat and just a jock strap. But, I mean, which one's more extreme? Which one do you want your children to see less of? Pretty much. D. Snyder (laughs) just did it because... Shock value. Yeah, he saw Alice Cooper do it. Exactly. You know, so... Also, D. Snyder's a smart motherfucker. Yeah, he also has a great radio uh, radio show, too. Really? Yeah. Local Ooh. station, uh, about 10 o'clock. No shit. Mm-hmm. Hey, well, he's a lawyer. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You know who wasn't a lawyer, but utilized a lot of his uh, his lawyer's skills? Gigi Allen. You know why? They claim that the inconsistencies in the woman's statements that were very all over the board, that mm. she wasn't like clear and concise. He was admitting to everything. And the judge was like, I do see the point that, yeah, you're admitting to everything. And you're like, we did A, B, C, D, and I'll admit to, you know, Z, why not? Where she was like, it was this, it was this, it was this. So he was able to get a plea bargain. He was found guilty because he admitted to these things, mm-hmm. but he was able to just be a uh, felony assault, which he was imprisoned uh, December 25th, 1989 to March 26th, 1991. I have no idea what he did when he was in prison, except for pretty much probably just write a bunch of music, think about what he wanted to do, because when he came out, he was re-energized and had a new idea on what his mission in life was. So he decided to write the Gigi Allen Manifesto. And again, I'm like, I was like, I kind of want to look at this, but after a while, you just like, I gotta, I gotta tap out from this guy, it's man. Like any, it's taxing. Any, anytime you put manifesto at the end of something, it's usually not going to end well. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, because I mean, uh, Ted Kaczynski, I, if he had written a book, it'd be one thing, but he wrote a manifesto, and yeah. so did like you know, Timothy McVeigh, and yeah, manifestos are never a good way to go. Just write a book. Fuck it. I always thought a manifesto was a book, just smarmy people didn't want to say book. They just want to use a different word, like novel. Or didn't want to write a biography. Yeah. (laughs) An autobiography. Uh, An auto. So with his release from prison and on parole, Gigi decided, you know what? It's time for me to go on tour. I'm not going to slow down now. I'm going to keep going. So he skipped parole and decided it was time to go. While he was performing and doing his tour... Uh, a documentarian, Todd Phillips, decided that he was going to film Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies. Now, just getting out of prison for doing all these heinous acts, uh, knowing everything he's done in the past and being arrested, do you think he slowed down at all? A little Not bit? a fucking chance. He actually even hyped it up with the filming of this 
to the point of the graphic scenes that were of myth and legend now are on film. <laughs> now we have proof of it. Exactly. Yeah. And this was while he was at a rock club space at Chase in the Manhattan East Village. And he just went full nuts. He was like, yep, let's go again. So his antics went completely overboard again. He was heavily intoxicated, decided to strip naked, poop on the floor, wipe it on <laughs> himself, throw it at his fans, and now it's time to start cutting himself up and throwing beer bottles. What a fucking lunatic. He threw one beer bottle and drilled this poor woman that wasn't even like in the mosh or whatever. She was kind of in the back corner and fucking sifted her in the face, broke her nose. Jesus Christ. Oh. And then after he saw that, it was like the blood gates were like time to unleash hell. And he started swinging on other fans, swinging on his bandmates. So these clips would also be on the film. Uh, also interviews with him, his bandmates, and some of the other fans that were willing to be a part of it that were obviously pro Gigi Allen. The film was released in 1994 and later followed up on DVD in 1997. Yeah, I know. It's kind of like you think you just got out. You're technically on parole and you skipped it. Dial it back a little bit. And he's like still going. However, what do we see with serial killers sometimes? Oh, they got to fucking ramp it up. Yeah, this is towards the end of his life. Oh, he's going. This is his fucking berserker phase. In a sense, yeah. But you know you know what shocks me the most? There mm. was DVDs in 1997. Yeah, you're old. Fuck. Yeah, you're old, kid. <laughs> I didn't realize they were that old. Son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. Huh. So now in 1991, while still being Gigi, he recorded the album Murder Junkies. And the album contained tracks of spoken word and other like tracks from Freaks, Faggots, Drunks, and Junkies. Gigi believed that this culmination of music, spoken word, both live and studio, was him. Like, this was him on an album. Like, this captured his persona. This captured his philosophy on life. His philosophy with, you know, religion and all these different things. This was him. This, this was his magnum opus. In a sense, yeah. Yeah. So, shortly after releasing that album, he recorded another album, War in My Head, I'm Your Enemy. This band that he worked with this was known as Shrink Rap. Another punk band. <laughs> Not to be confused with the uh, the southern like folksy blues band Aluminum Foil. Is that you know down south? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, hey man, people make bands over everything. So this one was a forty-five minute spoken word piece, just with Shrink Wrap's music. So it's essentially like they're the background band to him just talking. Mm. Hmm. You guys ready to talk about him being on TV now? What? Yeah. Yeah. With. All of this, all of this being insanity going on of Gigi Allen, he was also featured on Geraldo, Jerry Springer, and the Jane Whitney show. Okay, the Jerry Springer one does not shock me. And actually, neither does Geraldo, really. Yeah, Geraldo's like, whatever. Because, I mean, both those shows, like, back in the day had fucking Anton LaVey on them. Yeah, dude, they had everybody. just a shock value And shit. again, it's whatever brought in publicity. And, you know, these kind of shows were kind of groundbreaking in these types of things. Well, I would say not so much Jerry Springer, but maybe Geraldo. Well, Jerry Springer, back in the day before it turned into a fucking trailer park show, he was 
right around, like right on the same kind of level as Geraldo. Well, I would have said, I would have thought like Donahue, you know, because mm. Donahue had like some stuff like that. He he would probably have been, but have been on that show. Yeah, or could have been on that. Show. Uh, yeah, I, I, except for there are certain people that would, like want him on their show for publicity and for ratings. Other people like oh, we don't want to touch him. He definitely would have. He definitely would have done because more. He, he yeah he's. Mm. Gigi Allen, you are not the father. <laughs> I don't want to well, think about like, that. Well, Do- I mean, the only reason I say that is because like Donahue had, um, he had uh, like stuff with uh, vampire stuff like that. He also had uh, what was it, uh, Marilyn Manson on there, and uh, like it was just covering the whole, you know, yeah, the whole that. gambit, yeah. So while on Geraldo, he discussed that he believed his body was a temple of rock and roll, <laughs> that his flesh and blood and bodily fluids were communion to the people. Ugh. Hey, man, that's why we throw it at him. <laughs> Another reason given for his onstage antics was that he wanted to draw a parallel between his actions and, quote, a society that's going crazy with violence. Dookie of Christ. Dookie of Christ. Sorry. I couldn't well, help it. So well, hold on, let's 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 stop and talk about this because it kind of really was. Yeah, yeah. During that time, yeah, the nineties were a fucking interesting fucking time. Period. You had Rodney King, you know the the L.A. riots, yeah. uh, a certain other certain things that were going on in like little small towns at this time. Yeah. The nineties were fucked. Yeah, yeah. I still like the music. Yeah, was- oh god, I can't believe I just said that. <laughs> While on Geraldo, he was also talking about how if he was not a performer, there is one profession that he believed he would have excelled in. He would have been a fucking preacher. That was your guess? Yeah. Really? Uh, yeah. No. No? What's your guess? Uh, Here, I'm going to give you a little bit of, I'm going to give you a hint of it. Something non-mainstream. Something a little risque against cultural norms. Uh, stripper. <laughs> I wish I would have made uh, sense. No, he he felt that he would have been a great serial killer or mass murderer. Okay, yeah, fair enough. But I could have also seen him being a fucking priest. <laughs> okay, just like he would have been, been a cult like, leader. He would have been not a priest. He would have no, been a leader. Uh, I, yeah, Jim Jones style, where he would have started off as a preacher and then gone. Bet I can go a little bit further with this because he would have been that really like you want fire and brimstone like not the even end that. is coming. Let's go to the fucking jungle. You not know? even that. He just had a persona about him that every if you listen to him talk, he's one of those types of people like you can you can pick up certain parts. So there's certain people that talk, you automatically find a thing that you're like, yeah, I'm with that. They say something else, you're like, oh, that's crazy shit, but I'm with that. So he must have been with the Branch Davidians. He must have been like David Koresh, like like. I'm, I'm he could connect on any level yeah. with anybody, but he was also looking for the weak. He was looking for people that needed Jim needed, Jones. He needed some. He wanted people that needed yeah, a pretty much a Pied Piper. Yeah, that needed someone to follow him. So much so, when he was on the Jerry Springer show, he actually met his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like Ted Bundy wow. getting married in court, like during his trial. While on there talking about his performances, they had a young woman, 17-year-old at this time, Liz Mankowski. Ooh. They appeared on there and they were, you know, talking. She was on there talking about how punk rock is, is like her lifestyle, this, that, and everything. She was on there with her sister and her father. At the end of the show, they were dating. That's fucking... 
gross. Because he wow. was, he must have been what in his early thirties at this point in time. No, forties. Forties, somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. He was born in fifty six. He would have been. I mean, if I don't, I don't know, math, I don't know what time, what what year it was, but if it was this like, was like in the early nineties. So so he even close to forty. Fuck, yeah. dude. Ugh. So Oops, I mean, sorry. if it was like ninety six, you'd have been for, exactly for Ugh. You're ready to talk about his last and the most infamous interview? Yes. Yes. This interview was when he was on the Jane Whitney show. And this, like I said, was his last ever interview. And in typical GG fashion, he had constant aggression towards the fans or the audience members. He was spewed out like the same multiple quotes over and over again that... I am the God, I am the Savior, I am what is great in this world, and all this stuff. So in the point of when the audience would start asking him questions, he would just spout the same things over and over again. Jane Whitney would also be like, why? Why are you doing this? Like, why are you this person that's so angry? And he's like, I need to be angry because I am the reason why this world is going to be better. I am the reason why I can do whatever I want. And... When I die by suicide, the fans will come with me. I can take your kids and I can get them to commit suicide. And if I don't do anything, they will still commit suicide. They will kill for me. Heaven's Gate? What? Dude, there's, <laughs> well, he, there's a lot of stuff that he would take influence on. What a sick fuck, though. Just saying shit like that. It's kind of... Ah, that's gross. It gets worse. During this like whole spew of like just complete nonsensical craziness... He also stated that at 35, he could sleep with 12, 13, and 16-year-old girls, boys, and even animals. Why would you want to sleep with an animal that old, though? It's Gigi. <laughs> Shock value. Like, and that's the thing. is like, it's just, for me, it's like, you said that joke, and for me, it's just like, I'm so numb to this, because I watched this interview, and it is the most insane fucking thing. Now, is this the one with, like, the Nazi biker helmet that he has on? Yep. This okay, is when he was wearing the tight spandex shorts, the... the <laughs> The big leather coat with the chains on it, and he's got a random wooden cane, and he's just spouting a bunch of crazy stuff. He even stated live on this show he has raped men and women on like while performing in his concerts. That's fucking gross. Did he actually really? Oh, uh, would you be surprised at this point though? <laughs> it's uh, one of those things that I think it's almost like a little bit of he's hyping himself up to make himself sound. Well, good. she asked him about that. She was like, so. What do you mean you rape them? He's like, I can do whatever I want. He's like, I was on stage and I got a woman to give me mouth party. Editing it, you know, because. Yeah. Sorry, there are certain people that probably don't want to hear the vulgarity, but I'm sorry. This is the most insane thing I've ever got myself into. Like, I knew his music now, and I knew a little bit of who he was. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, I didn't realize how dark this was going to get. Yeah. It's like, I thought this was going to be like. Oh, yeah, he was a fucking wild dude, yo, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, he did the like, the poop thing once, like Ozzy bit the head off the yeah. bat or Alice. Which he didn't really know it was actually a real like a fucking re bat. Uh, yeah, when you watch the video, it looked like it was like one of those rubber-looking things yeah. or whatever, one of those fake plastic like and fuzzy like Halloween decorations. Yeah, then he got a mouth surprise and was like, oh, this is all blood. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't realize how dark this was going to get. I mean. Yeah, and, like, during this time, he was also making plans for a huge spoken word album and that he was expecting to do a large European tour. Jesus. However, that would not happen. 
on June 27th, 1993 in a small club called The Gas Station. It was... <laughs> what? It was a punk venue. Yeah, it's just one of those places was, where it's just like... That's it, a great fucking name for a club. It, it was a former gas station. No shit. So it made okay. sense. And it was in Manhattan. So, you know, it works. Fair enough. During the second song, the venue cut the power. Can you guess why? Uh, I'm guessing there was shit and blood all over the extension cords and, and stuff. And he started trashing the club all over again. So what did he do? He walked across the street naked and started continuing on singing and doing crazy shit. However, he made sure to put on some shorts. Again, you can see this video of him leaving that club on YouTube. It is actually on there of him walking around the city of Manhattan covered in blood and shit this through this neighborhood with a large group of fans. It was like he like he was stating he was the Pied Piper. He let walked out the venue and they started following. And then about after an hour he got bored and decided, you know what, I'm done with this and I'm going over to my buddies, Johnny Pukes. No, that was just the name Johnny yeah, Puke. No, I was no, expecting like, you to laugh and make fun of it because every other name you've been poking fun at. No, I was trying to remember. Like I was, that's why I stopped. I was like, was this somebody that we've already mentioned in here? No, okay. Nope. This is the reason why this is important is because this is the last place he would be seen alive. While okay. there, the party raged on and more drugs were done. During that evening, Gigi decided to have a lot of fun and took a little bit more heroin than he was expecting, and he quote unquote accidentally overdosed and slipped into an unconscious state. The reason why I'm doing the quotes, some say that it was, he was given a bad like supply to finally put him out. Others state that he was finally done and he was finally like, yeah, I'm going to commit suicide. Some say that it was an accident that he got too strong of stuff. It's there's a lot of different reports, and it's whoever you are, that's what you're going to hear. Because, well, why would he make plans for this spoken word album? Why would he make plans for this tour? And then, you know. So the hardcore fans are the ones that are like, you know, like with Tupac and Biggie. No, man, no, no. They were just, he was taken out by this or that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, the or hardcore... one, they're actually really alive in Puerto Rico. That's why yeah. they're, you're still finding albums, you know, or music of their stuff. Yeah, because nobody's ever pre-recorded an album or anything and then just never released it, you know, because that's, you know, never mind. Yeah, it never happens. Yeah. So sometime early in the morning of June 28th, Gigi actually died due to the heroin overdose. And next morning, someone noticed that he was still laid there motionless. They were like, well, that's weird. He's still laying there. He's not moving. Hmm. What should we do? And after some discussion, they finally called an ambulance. Jesus Christ. Soon after, he was pronounced dead at the scene. But, I mean, that's kind of the, that kind of behavior is normal. It's for, synonymous for with like the party. addicts where it's like, uh, he, he might be dead. What do we do? Mm. It's And it's also not only that, it's just certain people in general. Because like we talked about with Mayhem before, the guy committed suicide and then they were posing pictures with him before they actually. Very true you know, called, you know, the ambulance of the police. And to go back about how he was, he was two months shy of his 37th birthday. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, it's kind of sad, but now we can talk about his funeral, which was nothing short than a typical Gigi Allen way. <laughs> the funeral took place July 3rd, 1993 in Littleton, New Hampshire. Yep. In a small little cemetery of St. Rose. That's not far from here either. Like I said, everything's about two hours away. 
It's about yeah, it's two. Hours. We, we could almost take a field trip there and take pictures and put it on Facebook. Uh, I don't know about that. Well, dude, uh, some of the things I've seen about his gravestone, I think taking pictures of it would be the, the well, easiest part of it. We'll get to that point, actually, about his gravestone. Oh, God. So at the request of his brother, he told the mortician, do not, do not wash the corpse or apply any makeup. He wanted Gigi to be full Gigi. Hmm. I wonder if they even embalmed him. Uh, nope. So he's just a stinky, rotten cor- corpse? In his, in his casket, he was bloated, unpreserved corpse, was dressed in his typical black leather jacket and his trademark black jock strap. Ah, can you imagine the fucking being the mortician that had to dress that thing? Ugh. So he went from vigor, rigor, to not rigor. <laughs> you, you gotta, I like how he did that. That was fucking awesome. He went from vigor to rigor. And I was like, yeah, there was a lot of vigor in his party phase. Yeah. Oh, I, th- I, th- I thought you misspoke. And I was no, like, dude. I... <laughs> I want that he, as a shirt. He's got fucking vigor, vigor to rigor. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you that know, was good. He, all that, I mean, and then he, you know, so oh, so so probably by the time that he, the mortician did anything with him, he was back out of rigor. Yeah. So so it was Bloated okay. And floppy. Because if he wasn't, in, if he was still in rigor, oh, so he had to do with him piss and shit. Oh, he pissed and shit himself. Yeah, and oh, it's all in there. Because that's an unusual behavior for this man. They probably had a lot of, like, that potpourri when it, like, always smelled like cinnamon in there around him. So <laughs> They're just spraying him with Lysol. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's one of those things that there's actually some parts that was kind of... I don't really want to say sweet, but also, like, kind of an interesting way to do things or, like... A good way of send off. For instance, someone put a bottle of Jim Beam beside him in his casket as requested in his acoustic country ballad, When I Die. Someone actually listened to it. It was like, uh, he says, like, when I die, I want a bottle of Jim Beam with me. So the the party definitely raged on. And I use the term party because essentially that's what this was. It was not morning. It was like what you assume would be just a regular party just with a dead body there. <laughs> to the point of people were posing with the corpse putting a variety of drugs in his mouth and taking hits off of it and even drinking some whiskey with him. Here's the part that actually was kind of like where I go was kind of sweet was that at the end of the funeral, when everybody left Merle stayed behind and put a pair of headphones on him that were plugged into his portable cassette player. Kids look those up. It's it's called a Walkman. (laughs) Nope. That that's a name brand. I know. Yeah. Some of us oh, couldn't shit. afford them. Oh shit! Did he have the yellow one? I, I had I had I the yellow one, like with know. the shitty ass headphones and the oh yeah. So in I, the uh, in the cassette or the cassette was loaded with a copy of Suicide Sessions. It was just a song that his he and his brother really liked. Oh okay. <sighs> huh. Now, you want to get into the legacy of Gigi? Yes. <laughs> the head shake of like, no, nah, I'm done, man. I want to tap out and go home. <laughs> because I remember the name of that song now, finally. What's that? Uh, that Hank Williams song. Uh, I believe it is uh, Punch, Fight, Fuck is the name of it. And it's a fucking great song. It's either it's either Punch, Fight, Fuck or Punch, Fuck, Fight. It's those three words in some order. But it's a really good fucking song. I saw him live up in Burlington. So now let's get into the legacy of Gigi Allen. Like I said, a lot of us, well, at least me, and I know a few other people knew of the music, but, and you knew of, he was pretty notorious over his antics. However, he was prolifically seen as punk rock's 
like mainstay of spoken word and country and traditional rock. And often his lyrics were expressed through themes of misogyny, pedophilia, blasphemy, and racism, which polarized many listeners and created a variety of opinions of him within these different highly publicized punk communities. Mm -hmm. So the hardcore scene loved him. The East Coast punk scene loved him. Some actual punk rock country mix were like, oh, this is really cool. I like this genre. And also what he sang about to kind of maybe we'll either like him or we're against him. And then there's some people like me that is, I listened to it. I never actually paid attention to what the meanings were. I was like, yeah, this is really cool. And you're like, oh shit. Now I know what this means. Yeah. So a lot of times whenever he was questioned about music in his shows, Alan would reply that he was just trying to make rock music more dangerous again, that he also believed in an extreme individualism and anti-authoritarian promoting lawlessness and violence towards police officers. Thankfully, I didn't really find much of fans of his or him attacking police. But like we talked about before in the 90s, it wouldn't have been uncommon. Yeah, in the 90s, you didn't need Gigi Allen telling people to attack police. They were already doing it. Yeah. It was society was essentially responsible for that. You know how you were talking about going to find his tombstone mm-hmm. and taking pictures of it? <clears throat> well, in a kind of ironic way, his tombstone would be vandalized via... Urine, cigarettes, poop, alcohol. It's been smashed up a couple of times, too, if I remember. Yeah. This discouraged his mother, Arletta, so much, though, that she decided, you know what? I'm done. He now lives in a a gravestone, gravestoneless plot. Unmarked grave? Yeah. I don't want to say that because like, I always feel bad for the people who are in unmarked graves that, you know, you know, I guess didn't have a chance but the thing is i mean that's exactly but that's his fans he would have loved it that's exactly what he would have wanted yeah exactly piss on it fuck it you know well and if, i'm pretty sure i think it was merle that talked about is like yeah fans doing that to him but for him that's what he liked he'd be like that's exactly what i want because this is just a symbol of who i am and i want you to treat it as if you would treat it like to me so and as i stated before if you go on youtube and you just put in gg allen a l l i n you can find his Jerry Springer episode, the Jane Whitney episode, uh, Hated Gigi Allen and the Murder Junkies is on there, and a wide variety. Like his last video of him walking through the city and the streets of Manhattan is on there. I, I want to put all that stuff in the show notes. So yeah, that, I'll, I'll hook you up with the links because yeah, yeah. you can go on there and you can find a laundry list. You can also find him performing, and I shall I say, an unclothed fashion. <laughs> He naked. Yeah, because, you know, whatever. No one's going to really go find, like, oh, my God, what am I watching? Oh, yeah. that's a ding ding. <laughs> it must be cold. <laughs> so we talked about how he idolized Hank Williams. Hank Williams III mm-hmm. actually features a line, this song is written and dedicated for Gigi Allen on his 2008 album, Damn Right, Rebel Proud, features PFF. Song, it's the song PFF. Yep, I'm not sure. Like you've heard it. Oh, I've I've heard it uh, multiple times. I actually own the album, and I've heard it live, and it is fucking awesome. It's a really good song, and it's it is literally, it's pretty much GG Allen in a song. I mean, I'll I'll, pu- I'll put a link for it up on Facebook, um, but it's it's a really really good song, and uh, 
it, it's something that he would have, I think he would have enjoyed if he had been around to hear it. Well, also knowing uh, that, you know, Hank Williams' grandson? Yes. That Hank Williams' grandson actually sang a song about him was probably one of those things that he was probably like, yeah, dude, this is awesome. I would have loved this. Exactly. Because think about it. If you idolize somebody and then all of a sudden one of their descendants, whether it be the son, grandson, or whoever. you. And you all of a sudden now have a song dedicated to you from them. That's kind of interesting. It's almost full circle, you know? Yeah. It's it's kind of cool. But again, really good song. And apparently December 13th, 2018, Showtime also decided to premiere a documentary about Gigi Allen. Oh, shit. Titled Gigi Allen, All in the Family, which documented his career, his life, the death, and now it also has interviews with his mother and his brother coping still to this day with the death of his, well, like his death 20 years later. Right. So, with all that being said and everything we went through, I kind of just wanted to end it on a little taste of the Gigi Allen uh, Murder Junkies uh, film. So, something I found actually really kind of interesting was that Gigi actually had somewhat of a view on an afterlife that with everything that he sang about and everything he was a part of, you think that would just be wiped away. Like he was like, whatever, when I die, it's game over, man. Who uh-huh. cares? So watching the hated Gigi Allen, the murder junkies film, I found a quote that was actually pretty interesting quote. It's like, I've got this wild soul that just wants to get out of this life. It's too confined in this life. I think that to take yourself out at your peak if only you could die at your peak. Your strongest point, then your soul will be that much stronger in the next existence. Hmm. I just thought that was kind of an interesting point because it, it it describes who he is to the degree of he knew he had a wild soul. He mm-hmm. said it himself that he was proud of how he came up, came up and was you know raised in with his father and all the stuff in school because it gave him this wild warrior soul, made him strong. Uh-huh. He was too. He didn't want to live in such a confined like little bubble that he would experience the wild sex parties, the wild drugs, the the antics on stage. That he wanted to do whatever he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and how he wanted to do it, and to take himself out his peak. How many people do we know that would die at a young age and still are being talked about today? Kurt Cobain. A lot of them died at the same Jim age of Morrison. 27, too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Jimi Hendrix. Jimi Hendrix. They're not even that. Like, even just people in other realms, like yeah. artists. Yeah. A lot of times artists, like actual paint canvas artists, it's not until they die that they all of a sudden hit this massive notoriety. Yeah, you get like, uh, like Vincent Van Gogh, who got nothing when he was alive, and then after he died, everybody wanted his paintings. Exactly. So it's just one of those things that I heard this quote, and I was like, holy shit, I need to put this in here. Because that just describes him, and it's when he was a more of one of his more lucid moments, or his more focused moments. Sober. I wouldn't go that far. No, <laughs> it is him, man. He's one of those types of people. He'll even if he was still alive today, and quote unquote sober, he would still be just messed up. So yeah. he wasn't as coked out, heroined <laughs> out, heroined yeah. out, strung out. He didn't but, get the heroin. Yeah. So that is uh that is Gigi Allen at his finest. Um. Like I said, there was a few things that I know I probably glossed over, but also I didn't want to focus on mainly the antics and gross people out. I kind of wanted to give a taste of who this guy was. And originally I just did it because 
Yeah, why not? Like, listeners of the show, Aiden and Chris hit me up about it one time. Join the Patreon, folks. That's where that's how you can get this. But it was just one of those, I'm a fan of punk rock. A lot of my views and how I do things is of that, like of that era where if you're with me, we're together. I'll treat you like blood. But if you're against me, fuck off. And I'm not going to be in this like little bubble that you want me to be in that I'm going to be my own person. And it took me a long time of pretty much, I hate to say, eating shit. And getting beaten up every day and pretty much being the live version of Chucky Finster and be like getting my ass kicked every day that I got sick of it. And I was like, I found punk rock and I was like, holy shit, these guys can do whatever they want. They can look how they want. They can act how they want. Fuck yes, I'm on board with this. So it was, I just, it was a topic I thought was really interesting because like you said, he's kind of a mix of true crime and he's got a lot of like he's scripted a, things he's going on. He's a fucking on. enigma. He is. There, because will, there will never be another one. And I don't think our society now could actually even handle oh. someone like him. That oh, Jesus Christ, no. If he came about now, it would be one of those things he would be seen as the Antichrist. And even then, he was seen as that. But it was just, it was GGB and GG. I mean, as politically correct as everything is now, there's no way this guy could have even fucking existed in oh, our society. Oh, he, he, he could have existed. Not in the- he would have been the type of person that when he went out, He'd be that guy that was instigating fights with everybody, and yeah. he knew what he was doing. No, I mean, he wouldn't have been able to exist in the same kind of realm that he did in the 80s and 90s. Exactly. Because there's there's no fucking way. No. He wouldn't, they wouldn't let him in anywhere to do anything like no. this. My, my, I, I, I loved it. I love it. It was, it was awesome. Um, I mean, just, you know, a different take on things, and, you know, it's, it's, it's a break from the norm. Yeah. Um, and, and I always do better with bios on people, I found yeah. out, because I love you guys, but I can't do the cryptid things. All of frog monsters and vampires. Hey, don't fuck with the frog monsters. Hey, and honestly, we did get a... I actually have something to tell you about that later on. That I think it's actually a Frogman movie coming out. <gasps> we, we did get a suggestion when I put up the poll on what people want a second part of, and one of the suggestions was, please, no more vampires. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! So no, but any, like, but I, no, I, I'm just joking with you. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, no, no, no. It's just one of those things I've realized from doing this and the Dorothea Puente thing. I find it fascinating finding people who have a fucked up past. Yeah, and like we were saying with you guys with serial killers and like wanting to know why they tick, like why do they do that? I find it more fun when it's not a serial killer. It's someone just seemingly quote unquote normal that you don't think anything of, but really deep down inside, they are broken. Yeah, and this guy was broken from day one, dude. You know, you know who you need to cover when it comes time. I think you would fucking kill it, Charlie Chaplin, Ed Gein. Ugh. Just because of how he seemed like a normal dude, but he was fucked. You know. Yeah, it's just it's is that duality of life, and he wasn't a duality, but he started off that where he would keep things behind closed doors, and then. Found the but, Ramones, found the Stooges. But my thing, but what really kind of, you know, I don't know, makes me kind of stop and, like, really think with, it, with this guy is, really, was he all in on this? Or was that closed door, you know, still there? Because, yes, okay, my persona to the public is this. But behind that, you know, with his mom, his brother... 
did they they must have seen a different Gigi. yeah exactly I mean, that was you know I'm I'm actually I'm very happy you brought up that point because it we kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier about was he just being a quote unquote artist or mm-hmm. was this a hundred percent who he was to the point of now he's living this gimmick because he's obsessed with it he he's addicted to the uh to the to the limelight in a sense yeah, yeah. and the, I, the I agree notoriety. yeah. And I agree with you. Like it makes it is a fascinating point of where was he like this with his family, or was he just Kevin? You know, like or Gigi as J E J E, not G G. So it, it's one of those things. Like when you you can watch the documentary and Merle, his older brother Merle is just always broken up about it. It's always. He lost his best friend. He lost somebody that he was close to. Yes, he was also he was his brother. But when he was on the Jane Whitley show, Gigi was going on a full rant, and they all of a sudden brought up Merle and Merle. They're like, "Oh, well, when you come to one of our shows," and she's like, "Who are you?" He's like, "Well, that's my brother." And he's like, "When you come to our show, you're not going to see anything else like anything else you've ever seen before. You're not going to be doing this." You blah blah blah, and he you could tell he's hyping it up. But Gigi is the voice. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it, I really want to know, like, and I know Arletta and all stuff are going to say a certain thing or whatever, but I'm really curious to know, was he like this from day one or was this over a culmination of many things and getting all the popularity and starting realizing if I start pulling this shit and I start doing this? It's like when a class clown is allowed to be the class clown. Mm. Are they a class clown when they get home or are they just turn off the switch like you walk into a room? You know, you know, a guy that was like that was Jeffrey Dahmer. He was the the, the class clown. And then outside of school, he was just Jeff, like the weirdo. Yeah. You know, well, even a lot of comedians are like that. Yeah. But so. I, mean, I almost wonder if it was like the pro wrestler thing where you just take your actual personality and just fucking I think that's it what to it was. 20 and see what happens. I, I it. We'll never know because no. a lot of it is speculation. Exactly. I mean, everybody has that, you know, uh, or at least most people have that. Where yeah, they, dude, I hype up my personality you know, a lot more for this. A lot of times I'm much more quiet and yeah, I mean, not it, reserved, but just not as intense, and I hype it up here. Because, you know, there, there, there's just, you know, everybody has that, you know, like, well, there's just things you just kind of just, you wall yourself off. I mean, hell, I, I, there's a wall. I have a wall, you know. Yeah, you're I a mean, void. We've talked about this. You feel nothing. <laughs> There's reasons behind it, though, really. I mean, from past. but Yeah, you know, just... and that's the thing is we all put up those barriers. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Gigi Allen, bro. Well, so I so hope everybody enjoyed the Gigi Allen episode. I just want to give a special thanks to my little buddy Aiden and his dad, my buddy Chris, for giving me this topic. This was a lot of fun to research. And also, I learned a bunch of stuff I didn't know yeah. about him. Like I said, I knew some of the antics, but I thought that was just the one incident I didn't realize that he lived like in our state and that he was originally from New Hampshire. Like I had no idea on that. So I just definitely want to say thank you to them. Aiden, I love you, little buddy. Thank you so much for an amazing, amazing topic for me to do another solo one because I know I do few and far between. And if you're cool with it, would you be willing to play a closing song that they both like? Yeah. And that I like too? Yep, I will. Cool. Do you want me to drop the title now? Or is that way? Let's let's save the title for the very end. Right. So it, let's, it, yeah, let's play it at the end instead of our. Uh, let's do our. We'll, we'll do that at the end well, instead of our uh, normal ending. Yeah, let me let me cut you off real quick though. 
because this guy goes to prove my point that New England is the weirdest place in the fucking country. Yeah, we're definitely a weird <laughs> fucking area. And uh, this also, this this episode right here is the reason why, one of the reasons why you should actually go to studio.com. Exactly. Get a pair of headphones. <laughs> because, because you don't want people to listen to some of the exactly. shit that we talked about okay. and also he sings get about. Get your headphones, get your earbuds. I want you to the- imagine something real quick. Uh-oh. You got your regular headphones in with the cable and you're listening to this episode on the bus or something. Somebody bumps you. And all of a sudden, just your phone starts screaming about pools of shit and blood. Oh, I was you going... don't want that in the office, do you? No, get some fucking studio headphones. There, I was thinking awesome. Cedar Street sluts, but okay, <laughs> yeah. man. Or no. the Texas fucking Nazis or whatever the fuck they were called. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. or in shrink wrap. Yeah. yeah. Right. That's the yeah. worst of them. But <laughs> go to a studio. Get your get your headphones. Get your headphones. Get earbuds. Your earbuds. Get all that. Put them in your put them in your basket, and then at checkout, put the discount code of Dark Windows fifteen in. Give you fifteen percent off. We love you, motherfuckers. You know, listen to him. He gets. We play some punk rock for this kid, and look at him. Fucking balls hanging low. Let us swing, motherfuckers. I want you to listen to some Black Flag on your way home. It'll they make you happy. Do you like? Do you oh like God! Henry, uh, never mind. His his uh, his badass card just got revoked. Do you like Henry Rollins? You should listen to Black Flag then. I'm like, if you say no to Henry Rollins, he's gonna throw you out the fucking. This window. fucking hand <laughs> will meet your face going Mach 12. I, just say yes. Don't say you don't know who he is. No, just say I know yes. who he is. I just never li- like. Oh, dude, Black Flag is fucking. No, great. no, no, no. I'm just saying. I, I, I didn't really. Like, okay. I wasn't well, really into him when mm, I was in high school. So. I understand. We're well, also there's a couple years difference between all that fun shit. Anyway, the first time I ever saw him, some Beavis and Butthead. Liar. First time I ever saw him was. No, I'm just saying when he was on Beavis and Butthead, that uh, album that or that song he sang was "Liar" because that oh. was his most. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like motherfucker, no! I you can tell who the Henry Rollins fan is. My, this guy. My favorite role that Henry Rollins ever played is the one they probably fucking hates the most, where he played a Nazi on Sons of Anarchy. Yes, but he was really, really good at it. Yeah, because he knew how to play people he hates. Yeah, he's great. Anyway. Me, I just love everything about him. Anyway, because there's a picture of me. With, I took a picture. <laughs> oh yeah. By the way, I also flexed up on him because if you can send he, me that picture because I would love to put it on the Facebook page because you fucking like, like yeah that was during the, all, like, that was during the phase of like when I started working out like very well actually I was slowing down in the working out and all this shit and I was like oh my god this is my god this is my savior this is destroy everything <laughs> I'm and gonna I start sudden, bench pressing again <laughs> yeah and all of a sudden I'm next to him and I'm in full like fake swole mode like sucking the gut puff up the chest like every typical bodybuilder thing and it's he, like he's just standing there nonchalant he like puts his hand on me he's like don't worry about it come over here and he doesn't <laughs> look like a real big guy though no he's actually like he came to like my chin i mean i wouldn't fuck with him but he just doesn't look like a big dude now but yeah i uh anyway mm. rate review subscribe wherever Wait, you can how about if i you know plug you know a couple companies that are pretty close to my heart yeah we should probably do that yeah, first, yeah. asshole yeah <laughs> hey fuck off man hey punk oh, oh. Stop. <laughs> fuck Pump you. the brakes settle your kettle how about that hey turn that rapid boil onto simma because no. you don't want to overboil it because it over reduces and then it, it gets really salty. <laughs> no. Shit pool. Anyway, so I definitely want to say thank you to one of my favorite companies in the entire world, and that is Game Envy. I said thank you to them again. I'll say thank you to them tomorrow, and I will always say thank you to them because I love them. They are fantastic. If you or anybody you know is into miniature painting, head on over there and get yourself some tools to help you uh, step up your painting game. But if you don't have any miniatures and you do want some miniatures, 
or board games or card games or comic books, head on over to Dicehead.com. Dicehead.com is your one-stop shop for all your geekery needs. Wow. That, I like it. That felt a little weird. I had to Geekery. pull I had to pull the fucking plug on that one. Anyway, you head on over there, you pick out what you like. There's a bunch of variety of things. They have Warhammer, they have Warmer Hordes, they have Magic the Gathering. Probably that fucking Pokemon game. I don't know much shit about that shit. Do they sell pops down there? Like pop figures? I don't know. Oh, that'd be cool I just buy comic did, books right? and miniatures off of them. I stick to my world, <laughs> even though I do have a couple pops. A anyway. couple. A couple. Shut up. A couple fucking bushel is what you have for pops. I will fucking knock you out, bro. Actually, yeah, no, you, so. got, you have to have, what, probably like 40-ish? No, I have probably about 20. Okay, so you got like But they're all a... packed up right now except yeah. for Tasky because Tasky's the best. Dude, I got a Hellboy and he's fucking great. Fuck yes. They yeah, you, uh... Games. Huh? They also have board games. I said that already. Oh, <laughs> Don't worry, kid. I'm not fucking listening. Whatever. Oh, yeah. He heard he, he's in that whole fucking Cedar no, City I, sluts. I am. Yeah. Again, anyway. check out that website. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Don't do that. You'll be on a watch list. Trust me. Just go to YouTube and just do a quick search. You'll be fine. Anyway. Hey, the way I look at it is the research I do, I'm already on a fucking watch list. Yeah. But that's why, that's, yeah. But that's why Jesus invented incognito windows. Okay. Uh, <laughs> smart. No idea. I don't know any of that stuff. Well, like I said, if you're already there and you want to get rid of some old miniatures or some old game systems, head on over to the miniature trade-in program. It's at the bottom of the page, and you can take a picture of that stuff, put it in an email, send it off to them within two to three business days, maybe a little longer, depending on when you send it. They'll get back to you with the best, best, best price ever, and then that way you can put it towards what you want. Because if you try to go through Craigslist or eBay... Then you're not going to get the price you deserve. So with that being said, just because you can't see in the dark doesn't mean that a poop-covered monster is going to attack you in your butt. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, Slow hey. your roll. What you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's my episode. I get to close it. <laughs> no, it's I had to do the intro. I get to close it. We're it's not done yet. But I, I thought no. I get to. No. But, but we're not done yet, though. But, also, but we, wait, there's more. Because we ain't done no social media stuff yet. But... Punk rock. We're not supposed to plug ourselves. We're supposed I, to let word of mouth get us. But I want people to listen to our show. <laughs> if they're listening to our show, they're already listening to our show. No, but I want them to tell other people. That's called word of mouth punk rock, man. You don't go on... Hey, I'm, I'm actually hey, on Instagram. Never mind. I was going to say, technically, we are a punk rock podcast because it's fucking DIY. We did this shit ourselves. Yeah, and um, I can't really say much because I do have more followers on Instagram than you guys that I do more yeah. work and fuck. All yeah. right. So what is, how do they get a hold of us? Go on the Facebook. On the Boom. Facebook. You search uh, Dark Windows Podcast on, on Facebook. Really? Yeah. You're going to study your way through this? Yep. You have yeah. one job? Just You search them. You find them. But I do it on purpose. And then no, you, you harass don't. the fuck out of Kevin C. That's right. I'm the one with the really nice hair. Actually, so. you harass the fuck out of me because that's what everybody does because, you know, I can't apparently tell the difference between a fucking skunk and a possum. To be fair, they do, both do you know stank. The, do you know the difference between a squirrel and a snake, though? Yes. Okay, just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I was like, where are you going with the tree rat? No, I'm just Thank making Thank you sure again you're, for that. You're welcome. And you can also go to Instagram, and we are there at Dark Windows Pod. We're on Twitter, vaguely. At Dark Windows Pod. <laughs> I was like, wait, the Twitter handle is vaguely now? That's Sick. Vague. We have a Twitter account. We do not use it. <laughs> nah, not much. Um, we do also have an email. We're at darkwindowspod at gmail.com. You can send us 
all kinds of shit there if you want. And Don't we send have, us your poop. Yeah, do not send us shit. <laughs> <laughs> However, else? I know some people on the Facebooks that like to uh, poke fun at you guys, and then all of a sudden I randomly get like blown up. I'm like, hey, check out this listener sent some shit. Yeah. yeah. Little, uh, anyway. We also uh, we also have another thing that's called Patreon. Yeah, Which yeah. you so, should hit up because that's how this episode was brought to you. Patreon.com forward slash dark windows. What? Yes. Uh, was there more? What? Oh, no, we're good, it. man. Oh, okay. But yeah, we, we've got... Uh, we have some sweet options. And four different tiers on there. Yeah. Including and the Liver Eating Johnson $20 mm. tier, which gets you everything in the three above tiers. It's fucking excellent. And it's also just great to be you are the most badass of badasses. Side note. I'm thinking about starting an actual Liver Eating Johnson tier for $100 where we send them a human leg. That's pretty fucking metal. Hmm. There was that time we were in Pittsburgh. You wouldn't let me buy that prosthetic leg. Now imagine if we had Fuck, it. Fuck, dude. That Even though been... it was heavily used. Enough on that topic. Let's move but on. But that would have been the thousand dollar tier because that's a collector's item. Oh, I'm gonna keep that <laughs> motherfucker. So, what else? Where can they find you, Seth, on uh, Instagram? Broadstone underscore creations, where you can see me painting miniatures and posting Funko Pops when we were <laughs> Nice. I. I am at K Carlton eighty seven. No one cares about you. Where you're gonna see pictures Kevin H. What about you, bud? <laughs> if you go on mine, you're just gonna see pictures of my dog and cat and home improvement projects. That's pretty and, much and also you and doing some editing. Weird shit. Yeah. And some editing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. pretty much anything like editing related, I post to both accounts. Because fuck it, why not? And now with the most attractive part of the show, Kevin H. Where are you at? Really? <laughs> Yikes! <sighs> Gotta give him some love, man. Look at this poor guy. <laughs> I don't have a beard. So yeah, you got boys good looks. I know. I look old and haggard. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm hair. the oldest one of all three of us. Yeah, and, and you're still the only one that gets carded for beer. <laughs> I've been carded right. since Once I was 16. While, yeah, you did so. get you did get carded for the tickets for 300. I did. That was Wait. fucking excellent. Yeah, <laughs> we went to see 300 in theaters. They carded yeah. him, and he gave the he gave this woman the dirtiest look. He was just like you bitch, and he bitch. I'm old enough to be your father. <laughs> he hands her his ID like. Motherfucker. <laughs> and it was like two fingers. He's like, you son of a bitch. Only reason why they, he could go to it is because I went to it. Because you were his parental guardian? Yeah. Because <laughs> he is the youngest one. Yeah. But I was oh. a dickhead to the guy at the movie theater. You are a dick. Listen, he's got T-Rex. Like real, he's got real short <laughs> arms. So when he'd give you shit, I'd put it like put the money at like right at the very front of the window and just step back and be like, you got to get off your chair to get it now, motherfucker. <laughs> that was an asshole. He doesn't work there anymore, uh, so fuck him. <laughs> all right. Kevin H, could, where can we find you? You, this can, is you can find me on – I'm on Facebook. Uh, you'll see me posted on there on yeah. the Dark Windows page. And I'm the Kevin H. Uh, I know. That's why I just called I you. I know. See? <laughs> and then uh, I post often maybe sometimes on my Instagram. I'm Speedy802. There we go. Um, but you can find us also if you don't – like necessarily don't know where to find us, you can go on to our ageofradio.org website. Ageofradio.org forward slash dark windows mm-hmm. brings you directly to our show page. Yes. You can listen to all of our episodes on there. Yeah. And, or you could go on to Megaphone and, you, right? Actually, no, the Age, no. Of, the age no, of Radio, radio thing, goes right to Megaphone. It, so it, it redirects you to Megaphone. So we'll cut that No, well, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> Because people are, people are going to click on something and go, why the fuck am I on Megaphone now? Oh, my God. Oh, I cut it out. I was like, oh, good. I don't have to hang on to this anymore. <laughs> fuck. So, thank God. Yeah. You, in uh, addition to finding uh, our uh, shows on there, you can also find... Don't do it. 
That was way too easy. I'm sorry. <laughs> you could find don't do it. No, I think what no. He was, I was just like, I'm going to distract you now because I was talking and I don't get, I didn't get to distract anybody. I think what he was trying to say is, if you go there, you can go to the bazaar and you can check out all the cool shit that the Age of Radio page has to offer, mm-hmm. like on it, which is a human optimization web store, or whatever. Barnes and Noble, which is fucking books excellent. and magazines and figures and other cool stuff. The Great Courses Plus, which I yeah. am super excited Where to Where you uh, can learn for. about some fun stuff of, you know, whatever you want to learn about. Doesn't hey. matter. Art, history, science, Let's math. Debbie Downer. <laughs> dude, I was actually just having fun doing that. Dude, he's, he's, been, he's been talking for the last two hours. He's out of fucking steam. <laughs> yeah, dude. I'm good with like one, like with quips. He's no, no, no. I speak in sound bites. No, <laughs> no, no, no. no. He's, get, he's getting the, the role of you know, the guy he just covered. So he's like, eh, I'm going to be an asshole. No, if I'm doing that, I'm stripping naked and throwing oh, shit like a hey, monkey. Whoa, whoa, I'll whoa, be like whoa, a monkey whoa. up in this bitch. We, we don't need to see a mushroom in a cornfield. Leave your pants on. For <laughs> <laughs> oh, you. Anyway, just because you can't. Wait, I want to do it. No, you're better interrupting. I suck at interrupting. No, I should do it because in that way you guys finally get to interrupt. Oh, you're fine. Just because you can't see out into the Doesn't dark. mean you don't have a poop monster chasing you. <laughs> I snorted. <laughs> Just because you can't see out doesn't, doesn't mean, mean a bottle cut. of Jane B ain't coming at your face. Uh, fuck, that was aggressive. Oh, I wanted it to be a beer bottle. I don't know. Oh, but just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't Scum mean fucks. you're not cutting yourself with a razor blade and rubbing poo in it. Ooh. Ugh. Ugh. Just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you. I fucking love you, Aiden and Chris. Thank you again for this amazing topic, and most importantly, kisses, love you. Ha <laughs> ha, bye And we're actually going to end this. Oh. What? Nothing, I was just doing that like. Oh, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> Got him again. That's good. Take that, dad. But we're actually going to take you out on a, uh, a Gigi Allen song called Bite It, You Scum. And that you're was. you hear that at the end. That was the su- uh, suggestion from yep. Chris and Aiden. Yep. That um, was one of their favorite songs. And it's also kind of widely popularized by a lot of gg and punk fans yes this is who he is i was on i honestly was gonna think you know uh, i want to fuck myself but we'll do no that one you scum because it's not we're just gonna uh, pull parental (laughs) advisory if you're listening to that yeah sorry yeah but most importantly i love you goodbye (laughs) later